Hello and welcome to the Untranslatable Podcast. We are here recording episode 103, and today our topic is living arrangements in different countries. And this episode is for you if you're curious about how people live in different countries, what types of housing they may have, uh, where they might be living when they're working, uh, whereas maybe being at home with their families. And uh, I'm also going to be discussing a few of my favorite living arrangements as well. So we're looking forward to bringing you this new and exciting episode all about living arrangements. And my buddy, my co-host, coming from not the Harry Potter studios, but a different living arrangement, my buddy Jared. What's going on, Jared? Hello. Yeah, we. I am on the road again. And I, well, this is not an on the road again episode because there's not much to talk about in Troy, Michigan. But uh, before we get into that, uh, please, everyone, spread a little love. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Untranslatable Podcast. Twitter, Untranslatable One, the number one. Uh, that's where you'll find uh, things I retweet occasionally. It's been a while, but occasionally I'll I'll tweet something uh, nice and hilarious myself. It's always hilarious. Um, or I'll tweet the song of the pod, which will take you to the song of the pod, which will be on the untranslatable song of the pod playlist on our youtube channel or you can uh, email us untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com at any of those places feel free to slide into the inboxes and dms and uh, give us oh, yeah. uh, uh song of the pod recommendations topic recommendations uh travel tip location recommendations we do every other saturday we do uh, tra- uh untranslatable travel tips so far we've done one about prague um Vienna and Chicago, and we got another one coming up soon. So uh, give us some recommendations on where you'd like us to talk about. Also, um, most importantly, actually, spread a little love. Five star reviews. I said five star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher. Uh, all five, all five. Um, and you can go to our website on translatablepodcast.com. I am coming to you on location. Uh, as you can tell, not the Harry Potter classes. I can actually move around in here. Uh, looks weird man can't believe it from the hampton inn and suites in troy michigan now usually i'm like you i prefer to find a nice airbnb and i well we sydney and i thought we had done that we found a place well she did found a place in royal oak right uh down the street from the main downtown area of royal oak thought it was a great location um we drove there and she worked so we left a little like in late afternoon maybe like 1 ish so we didn't get in until about 10 or 11 about closer to 11 and obviously we told the airbnb guy hey we're not getting in until later will that be fine he said yeah no problem no problem and so we're like cool and so we got there at uh about 11 o'clock told him we were there we were waiting at the door for a bit i saw him we it was an apartment build complex and i could see through the little apartment complex i saw someone like running back and forth come to find out that was him and so we get into the apartment it's a little more how should we say spartan than i was initially expecting uh well there what 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 do you mean by that oh it was like a little like not empty like it was like a little bare uh-huh. okay. as in spartan okay. but that's no problem i mean we that we don't we don't, don't really need much but we um we went into the he was showing us around he's like so this is the bedroom he's like um just so you know the sheets just got out of the the dryer so they might still be a little damp do you want me to run them through the uh the dryer again and i was like uh i mean if they're damp uh, yeah that would be nice <laughs> <laughs> right we don't want to sleep on damp sheets and so um 
He's like, all right. Uh, and he's like, he's like, here, I'll show you. It was an apartment com- complex. And so he's like, okay. here, I'll show you where the washer and dryer are so you can get them when they're done. You don't, and you don't have to, uh, like, I don't have to come back into the room after. And we're like, all right. So uh, Sydney, I didn't feel him, but Sydney, she, you know, he showed Sydney where it was. And she said, she's like, he said damp. He's like, those, she said, those felt like they had just come out of the washer machine. He's like, she's like, they were like <laughs> soaking. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> and so it turns out after you took the sheets, sheets was being very liberal. It was sheeta. Okay. And it wasn't just a sheet. It wasn't even the fitted sheet. It was just like the top layer sheet that he was using oh, as the no. only conduit between the mattress and uh, the Your bed. Your bodies. Our bodies, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So um, he took the comforter off and showed, showed Sydney where the dryer was. And we went to go get food while, uh, while that was happening. We're like, all right, that's a little unorthodox, but fine. Listen. We're not we're not stuck up. We can handle uh we can handle this. It's no big deal. We're flexible. Um Exactly. Exactly. So we come back. We went to I took her to a Coney Island because it was like eleven thirty at that point. Yes. Okay. And one of the what, what uh, kind what thing. kind of Coney Island? Was it a Leo's? Uh National. Okay. There was right. a, there's there's a Leo's right down the street, but National was a little closer, a little less outside of like the um like there's a Leo's like right in the middle of Royal Oak. And so that's usually where more of the drunks go. And we were tired. We didn't feel like dealing with that. So I was like, <laughs> I well, I don't blame you. <laughs> so I was right. like, I'll show you Leo's later and we'll do a full comparison later. But well, let's just go to the National. It's the same distance away, but away from all the riffraff. Um, and so we went there. We came back. She was dry. We went down to the uh, laundry room, which where it looks like that's where they filmed many uh, murder <laughs> murder films, <laughs> okay. murder horror films. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that was fine. And uh, so we put the one layer of sheet back onto the bed, not a fitted sheet, just to be clear, which is like, if you're going to have one, at least make it just a fitted sheet. Right. Uh, For sure. (laughs) For sure. First of all, what kind of Airbnb is doing that? Another rule I I learned from Airbnbs, never let your guests see your bare mattress. It wasn't yep. like stained or yep. anything. It's just not a good look. It's, it's like no, a lot of like lint and shit on it. Also, so, you guys got in at like 11. How could you have mm-hmm. not had this shit ready before you got there? I'm That's just saying. That's what we were wondering. <laughs> I'm just saying. But anyways, like, I continue. feel like we've left you plenty of time. Right. Uh, he claimed that he was running around like he had some sort of emergency come up and he just got home. But it was just like, still, like you're running an Airbnb. Like this is part of the deal. So anyway... Yep. Um, yep. So we put the single sheet back on, and I went to go grab the uh, the comforter. The com- comforter was wet too. Uh, of course it was. And I was of like, I was like, was. well, it's only damp. Like it's not that bad. Then I like laid under it. I was like, oh no, this is like this is like wet too. And so we couldn't just even if we wanted to, we couldn't just put it into the dryer because it's a apartment dryer. So it required quarters, and I did not happen to have six quarters handy or however many it took. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And so we're like, I, we can't even sleep on this. So like, and so we're like, well, what are we gonna do? Because like, the the like, we can't sleep under this. So the option is what to just lie on a bare like top sheet, right? And so um, <laughs> and have the bare bare mattress below you. Oh god! Exactly, exactly. So I guess spoiler alert: this is not the Airbnb. <laughs> right. So um, how'd that so, work? Uh, so well, we I hate we both Sydney and I hate to do this, but we called Airbnb to, Airbnb to complain, and we're like we can't like we can't stay here like the bed's essentially wet. We even if we wanted to dry it, it requires like eight quarters that we don't have and another hour, and it was already like one thirty at that point, right? Uh, in the morning, and so it's like and so we called the complaint saying that oh, 
There was also something else. I'm glad I remembered this. So there was half of a toilet paper roll and like a couple paper towels. And he's like, oh, tomorrow morning, I'll bring you more toilet paper and paper towels. And we're like, Ooh. bro, how do you not even have this ready to go? Right. Um, and so uh, we called Airbnb. Oh, she did because uh, it was her account that, that it was through. And first they said that um, they're like, well, we'll only refund you for that night because this is a this is a situation that's fixable and like we'll fix and like we'll pay you back for the hotel that you stay in for that night and we're like we don't really like we already thought this place was a little shitty beforehand and now like now the bed already sucks like we don't really want to come back um and so we ended up uh you know we were on the phone with airbnb she was for like a solid like almost hour or maybe 45 minutes damn and finally after all that they're like well we'll refund you for one night but that's the best we can do and we're like fine whatever and we're here for three nights uh, right. but we she got the confirmation email later and it turns out they re- refunded her for the entire thing so it kind of worked out Sweet. and um we ended up going to troy which is like a 15 minute drive away and getting a normal hotel and getting it to the king-sized dry bed was <laughs> heavenly. It was heavenly. Um, and so I guess it ended up, I mean, it's more expensive, but it ended up working out essentially in the long run. But it was a bummer, you know? It was definitely a bummer, especially at that time, where it's like, even if we wanted to, this is not a time to find another Airbnb. It's right. freaking 2 in the morning, 2.30 in the morning at this point. Yeah. Yeah, that's, ho- but, uh, that's this hotels only. Nice. We uh we so uh, I I I've been taking this is Sydney's first time in Michigan so I've been doing giving her the Metro Detroit tour. She's seen Ferndale, Royal Oak, uh, Birmingham, Troy. I even took her to Somerset Mall, which is our rich person oh, nice. mall here in Metro Detroit. Yep. It was yep. packed, bro. Yesterday, Saturday night, it was packed. I was like, I, I didn't even it. know malls still got this packed. <laughs> right, it's summertime, man. That's why. Uh, and so the mall was packed, and then so um. What the hell was I about to say? Showing uh, around some, Michigan. There was somewhere I was going with that. Oh, and I showed her Detroit as well. And uh, there was somewhere I was going with that, but it doesn't matter. Um, but yeah, it's been nice being here, you know? It's, uh, it's been nice being back home. And uh, I was I'll just getting, about to ask you if it feels like a homecoming. Uh, a little bit, a little bit. You know, I barely have to use my navigation. Um, uh, that is I, a freeing I, feeling right there. Yeah, yeah, I kind of feel like a tour guide a bit, which makes me a little stresses me out a little bit. Um, <laughs> like today, I ended up we ended up doing a like we ended up I showed her around Detroit a little bit, but it was also raining, so it's kind of hard to do like a full tour thing, especially in Metro Detroit. Like, what's there to see? Um, right. But uh, yeah, it's been cool, and obviously, I'm looking for a place to to live, and we'll get to that later. But um, other than that, you know, it's good to be home. Uh, we went to, this is just a quick uh, side. We went to like this restaurant just right, right around the corner kind of late last night. And when we were leaving, we saw this woman um, in her car drinking water. And she was like dancing hard. Yes. Uh, well, yes. I think she was hammered. Oh. Uh, she left the, she, and she drove away and she left and she like, first she, we, we saw her drive away and she like slammed the accelerator backing out of the place and i thought she was about to slam into the car behind her but she didn't but the whole side of her she had like a jeep the whole side of it was already like dented up so um, that's not a good sign and she drove away and i was like it was like we were just like oh like i feel like should we say something like to who what do we call the cops and be like hey we didn't get the uh license plate or anything but just find a wild dancing woman in a jeep (laughs) swerving (laughs) down the street (laughs) right (laughs) 
Oh, that's yeah. Wild. But other than that, it's been good. How's how's it been going with you? You went on a uh, fun trip today with your mentor. I did. I've had a well. My Saturday was non-eventful, but my Friday and my Sunday were pretty wild. So my Friday, I went to a Chekhomor concert, which we'll get to later when we discuss the song was of the that pop. Czech, uh, is that a Czech Macklemore? <laughs> <laughs> I actually learned what the name of the band means, and it actually mm. means Czech plague. More is plague. Oh, uh, okay. All right. A little, so uh, teaser, I, guess, I guess. I guess when they first started... Let's just save actually, that for the song of the pot. <laughs> okay, fair enough, fair enough. Um, but yeah, so that you was went great. To a went to a concert on Friday, which was awesome. And then today was pretty wild. So I went to Terezin, was the Czech mm-hmm. name. In German, it's Theresienstadt. I have no idea what they call it in English. So we'll go with Terezin or Theresienstadt. Yeah, that sounds like Teresa. I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, it would be Teresa. And uh, Terezin was, it used to be a part of... Uh, that well, all of the Czech Republic was a part of the Austro-Hungarian Empire at one point, mm-hmm. and they built a fortress there called uh, um, oh shoot, what's it called? It's like it's called a small fortress in English, um, kleine Feststellung in German. Okay. Um, but the crazy thing about this fortress, though, Jared, is it not only served as a fortress to protect the Austro-Hungarian Empire from the Prussians, who were like the northern Germans back in the day. But mm-hmm. also it was used as a labor camp and prison for people in World War One, and obviously many Jewish people during World War Two. The mm. Gestapo was there, which was like the, the Nazi uh, police, secret police. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a heavy day. So um, we saw uh, all the different solitary confinement cells, all these crazy jail cells. We went through the tunnels. And what's crazy about the tunnels, so the tunnels were built... Not when this was used as a jail, but when this was used more as a fortress to protect the the regime at the time. And the tunnels, dude, it was crazy. So we went down this tunnel thinking it would be like a quick go around the corner, right? Mm-hmm. This tunnel went for, I at least it was over a thousand meters. Um, Damn. No idea. Yeah. So it was really fun. That's crazy, like a kilometer. Though, yeah. And what's crazy about it is we were walking and walking and walking and then we actually stumbled upon an, an English tour group in front of us in the tunnels. So we got to eavesdrop on the tour. And so it turns out that they have over 30 miles of tunnels in Terezin, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Initially, when this was a fortress, they didn't have any lighting. So all of the soldiers had to memorize their routes. And obviously, as you can imagine, with you know miles terrifying. and kilometers of tunnels... Yeah, you can get very easily lost, right? Yeah. Do they, um, they had flashlights back then, though? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm assuming they did. Um, and then the, the windows of, of these tunnels were big enough where you could fit three rifles through so you would mm. have snipers if the fortress were to be attacked. And this is the most unique fortress in Europe. At least that's what the tour guide said. I'm quoting the <laughs> tour guide right now. I would agree with him because it was crazy the way it was set up. Um and the, there's a river by there. There's two rivers, actually, by where, the, where Terezin is. And what they would do is they would flood the moat with water from the river. So if, if the fortress were to be attacked, one, they'd have to climb up this hill, and they would probably get shot already by you know people guarding there. If they got through that, then they have to go through the moat. And the thing is with the moat, the water was just high enough. It wouldn't drown you. But if you were carrying a weapon, weapons back then, well, I think even weapons nowadays... You can't get them wet. Otherwise, they won't work, right? 
So they had to carry yeah. their weapons above their heads like this while they were treading through the water. Obviously, mm-hmm. when you have all those windows with three snipers in each window, you're done. So you right. couldn't even get past like the first couple walls of this fortress. And Napoleon even said that he thought about attacking and then he realized his spies, you know, went and looked at the fortress and he realized like this place was basically nah, impenetrable. Son. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. So, so it was crazy. And then after that, we went to this other town called um, Litomierica, which is this beautiful town in the near like the Czech Middle Mountains region. It's not in the Middle Mountains, but it's that region. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was really cool. They had some really beautiful churches. This is actually where they have the bishops in this region. Although the Czech Republic is not a very religious place, you could definitely see the religious influences on this city. Um, and yeah, it was a great little day trip. Had a wonderful conversation, uh, well, multiple conversations with my mentor. And then lastly, on the way home, we made a quick pit stop that I was not planning on. To I thought that was a hilarious they... message you sent me. You're like, hey, we're going to have to push back the recording a little bit. We just made a quick stop at a castle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so what happened was we were driving and there's all these really cool old castles on the top of these Czech middle mountains, right? Or mm-hmm. I don't know if they were the mountains or the hills or what you want to call them. But we're driving around and she, she says, oh, by the way, we're going to stop at this castle. And I was like, it's looking at the time. I was like, uh-huh. I need to be, you know, I didn't want to be rude. Plus, you know, I only have a few more weeks with her as well right. and she's fantastic she's basically was, the equivalent of my check mom you are you're you're a great guy in general but uh, uh we'll save that topic for another time but <laughs> so, so why we, jared's amazing episode 104 right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly so we so we go up this hill and then i see that the like gate is closed so i'm like well shit we can't get in she's like no that gate's always closed we got to hike up it so thankfully mm. it wasn't that long of a hike but we hiked up it and, uh, and they have what they call the wisdom tree, which is this tree that looks like a wishbone. So it has, you know, the, the, the root of the tree, the stem of it, and then it splits into two trees that looks like a wishbone. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there's a little poem in Czech. Actually, here, I'll, I'll read it to you, Jared. My mentor actually translated it for me, and hopefully I can remember it. But I'll, I'll read it to you real quick. So it is called Strom uh, Prani, which I think means like wish tree. And it says, poladho, which means like, like touch it or like stroke the tree. Pojladejo. Uh, um, oh, shit. I don't remember these now. Um, it was like, Slipping it was like gator piss. It was like stroke the tree, thank the tree, and, uh, and like make a wish, more mm. or less, is what the poem says. Did you make a wish? I, I did. I can't say it because then it won't right, come true. It won't come true. Damn it. I did, I did make a wish. Um, I can tell you the wish in a couple weeks. Um, okay. But yeah. And so this is this is what the, the castle looks like. Damn. That's cool. So it's cool. this big tower. Yeah, it was sweet. And there was this beautiful view out where you can see the pretty Czech countryside. Yes. For all of our listeners, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll pop this up um, on, the, on the gram. But it was awesome. It was great. Uh, nice. So yeah, it was a wonderful day. Uh, got to see some new places in the Czech Republic. And I got to tell you, man, Saturday... I didn't really do much. I played a lot of guitar, but Saturday it really started to hit me like times of the essence. Yeah. Did you feel like you were sort of wasting your day away, spending that day just chilling and playing guitar? Well, well, Saturday evening, um, I had some plans, um, but like during the day, um, yeah, I just kind of relaxed. I thought about going to the lake, but like 
I don't know. I'm really worried going there by myself and then like leaving my stuff unattended somewhere. And mm. then, you know, coming back from a swim and then it's gone, right? Like mm-hmm. if I don't have right. my apartment keys, I was not planning on taking my wallet or my phone. But if I don't have my keys, I have no way to get into my apartment to call my mentor to say, hey, I don't have my keys. I can't get into my apartment. Right. So so I prefer to go to the lake with somebody. Um, so yes, yeah, so, but Saturday it was super hot. Mm-hmm. And so I just chilled here and uh, yeah, learned a couple new songs on guitar and yeah. Nice. One good thing about being in the uh, Hampton Inn and Suites in Troy, Michigan, is that so. Oh, one of the places that I took. Uh, Cindy was talking about how she wanted to look at a went go to a thrift store, so I took her mm-hmm. to a Salvation Army in uh, Royal okay. Oak, and we ended up getting uh, bathing suits, and we went used the hotel pool. We actually nice. uh, which was so much fun. I haven't been in a pool in a long time in general, but. Um, we ended up it was so funny. So there were like so when we got back from the from Salvation Army, we got back here. We just looked to see what the pool looked like, and we saw that there were four like teenage boys in there. We're like, oh hell no! <laughs> so we waited for like an hour, and we went back down, and they were still in there. We're like, and we went back upstairs. We're like, all right, we'll come back down in thirty minutes, and they were gone. And uh, it was so much fun. We went swimming. We went to the hot tub. I felt like a kid again. That is and, awesome. Uh, you, but yeah, you cannot go wrong with hopping in the hotel pool. No, no, for sure. Except the ground's always kind of gross. But other That's than true. that, it is fun. It is fun. Anyway, that is let's, true. Uh, let's uh, spread a little love. Let's do it. I'm assuming you're looking at me because you're waiting for me to spread the love. So uh, uh, You betcha. <laughs> so I will. So my first one for all of our listeners out there who are under a rock, if you're unaware of what's going on in the States right now, it is Pride Month, mm-hmm. uh, which means we are here to support our brothers, sisters, um, I was trying to think of something clever there, but we'll just say brothers and sisters in the <laughs> LGBTQ community. And uh, this is a really heartwarming story. Uh, so histers. there is a... Brothers, like, sisters, and histers. Sure, there you go. Um, <laughs> Took a minute. There is a, a gentleman named Scott Dittman who attended the Pride Parade in Pittsburgh and wore a shirt that said... Um, what did it say? Um, free dad hugs. And he was with his wife who had a shirt that said free mom hugs. And for some of you out there, especially our, our hetero listeners out there who, who don't really understand some of the struggles that the LGBTQ community has to deal with. A lot of people are sadly either thrown out of their parents' houses. Their parents don't approve of, of, of their lifestyle, their sexual orientation, whatever you want to call it. Um, and Mm -hmm. so, um, uh, apparently, uh, Scott Dittman received over 700 hugs in two and a half hours from individuals at the Pittsburgh Pride Parade on Saturday. And, uh, and he said that this was a really insightful experience for him, um, getting a better understanding on issues that people in the LGBTQ, LGBTQ community face in their personal mm-hmm. lives, especially the relationships with their parents. So I think it's really a heartwarming story and we cannot... You betcha spread enough love to Mr. Dittman and also his wife for being there and supporting all of these people. You know, we should love each other for who we are, regardless of our sexual orientation. And that includes our family. I saw a bunch of those uh, mom hug shirts while I was at the Pride Parade last week. Only one dad I saw with the dad hug shirt. But, I'm not uh, surprised, unfortunately. But yeah, it was, it, was, uh, it was cool to see that for sure. Like that was something that Hadn't even crossed my mind that I would see. I was like, oh, that's cool that uh, that parents would want to do that. 
Right. And, and, and right. yeah, there's a lot of people that, that don't get love from their parents as soon as they try to be honest with them for once. Uh, it, it usually, you know, doesn't go well. Not usually, but well, probably usually. Let's be real. It often right. doesn't go well. Let's just put it that way. Right. I mean, depends on how accepting you're. you're and it seems like it's usually the father of the family, usually. Um, and I yeah, think this I mean, has to... I think, you're, I think that's probably true. But if you're talking about a religious family, it's probably just both. Oh, for sure. Without a doubt. I know a few people who have um, either hid their sexual identity or told their parents and their parents basically disowned them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because of their religious beliefs. And But what's really amazing about this is not only that, um, you know, they were there supporting these people, but the fact that these people were so touched by this and willing to tell their own personal stories. And I think it's important. You know, I remember uh, I posted the rainbow flag on my Facebook profile years and years ago when we were still at Albion. And I remember getting some flack from um, some guy friends of mine. And I was like, I was like, what's, what's the big deal? Like, it's, right. it's just a rainbow flag. Like it, it's, it's not <laughs> like, it's not like I have inappropriate pictures of like, you know, people like having sex with each other. Like it's, it's just me trying to support people who, who need the support, you know? And mm-hmm. there are a lot of straight people out there that don't understand it because well, one, they'll never, they'll never be in their shoes. But number two, they don't realize that being straight is the, the, the norm and what is accepted in pretty much actually all societies that I can think of, right? And because you don't mm -hmm. experience that, it's easy to say, oh, what's the big deal? Or uh, or why are you trying to, like, why are you putting that? It's like, you're you're not gay, but it's, yeah, yeah, but support is just as important because there's a whole bunch of people that that just are ignorant to it just because they have the luxury of not even having to think about it. Exactly. And it was all dudes. All dudes were the ones giving me flack for it. Of course it was. And and, and it's, yeah, it's like, what are you trying to prove? Like, you trying to be macho? Because to me, it just sounds like you're being an insensitive prick right now, like for lack of a better term, you know? Yeah. Um, So yeah, but anyways, we're here to spread the love. Uh, And my next next shout out goes out to, I hope I pronounce his name properly, Nana Ya Ose Darkwa, who is helping... Ghana see the forest for the trees. He is trying to plant a future with 20 million new trees. Um, and so what's crazy is so Ghana has experienced serious deforestation in recent decades due to cocoa production, logging, and clearing of trees for agriculture, fuel wood extraction, and gold mining. Um, and so what's crazy, though, is the West African nation of Ghana has lost half of its forests since 2000. Uh, and so in less than 25 years, Ghana could be left with only minimal forest cover. And so yeah, it sounds like it. So, yeah. So Osei Darkwa launched what they call the Green Republic Project in 2018, which is a youth oriented initiative which uses trees to fight against climate change with a goal to have Ghanaian youth plant 20 million trees by 2028. So 20 million trees in 10 years. It's an amazing goal. Uh, so we send all of our love to you, mm-hmm. Mr. Osei Darkwa. We thank you and Spread we hope love. that you are able to reach your goal and uh, make an impact on climate change. So it's absolutely yeah, amazing. For sure. For sure. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. And, and my last one goes out to, we did a shout out a while ago on 21 Savage. Have you heard about what he's done, Jared? 21, 21, 21. No. <laughs> 21 Savage has donated $25,000 to ensure detained immigrants have access to legal counsel. Oh, that's great. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's definitely necessary. Oh, so, I actually have a shout out, speaking of which. 
Oh, let's hear uh, There was a terrible story uh, in the going around the Twitter sphere the other day, and probably actual news publications too, let's be honest. But, um, Meme news as well? There, I think this is legit news. <laughs> okay, fair enough. <laughs> there is a uh, black family leaving, I believe, a dollar store, and one of the, the little kid who was like four or five, she picked up some doll or something, and the parents didn't notice. And I don't think the store noticed either, but someone else called the cops. And oh, God. Uh, the cop was, you know, one of the cops that showed up was Mr. Super Cop. And he was like screaming at him, like pointing his gun at him and stuff. And I believe oh, the, this is off the top of my head, but I believe the woman was also pregnant with so another. And she was and he was like, uh, you know, holding the gun and be like, you know, uh, you know, screaming at him and all this shit about this little girl that accidentally picked up a doll. And the parents, I don't even think, noticed. And um uh, so it's a terrible story, of course. But Jay Z uh, offered up his legal team to uh, to represent that family, uh, and, oh, and they, they sued the the whatever city it was in. But they sued the police, um, the police sta- the police station or whatever, uh, ten million dollars. Uh, and so Jay Z offered up his legal team to uh, to support them and represent them. And I thought that was awesome. That is, because, sweet. You know, I hope they a lot of stories case. like that are terrible and. They either have a way different get, ending too. Yeah, they, no, either nothing happens or they don't get you know good legal representation because they can't afford it, and then the police station and the police officer just goes on doing their job because they have no ability to represent themselves or get someone that can represent them properly. So it's cool that first, well, you know, uh, new billionaire Jay Z is offered up. I assume his top-notch legal team to uh, help him get the help that they clearly deserve for some straight-up bullshit. Right. Oh, for sure. For sure. Nice. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. What, what, are that, they, what are they what are they called, Jay-Z? Hove? There we go. Yeah. Shout out to Hove. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, you know, that's cool. But now on to what's really important at the Untranslatable podcast. And that's the Untranslatable Owl signi- signaling that it's trying for time for some of translatables. You better believe it. Uh, I have three. I'll start. My first one's Tagalog. Uh, shout out to uh, Jeff for call, for so I, I'm no longer calling it Tagalog. Uh, mm-hmm. and it's the first one is Makati Angpa, which is literally translated to itchy feet. Is that like when you're excited to do something, you got itchy feet? You're very close. Oh really? I'd say okay. you you yes, yes, but I want you to I want you to finish it off. So you and I here at the Untranslatable podcast, I'd say every 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 other Saturday when we record a Untranslatable Travel Tips episode, we get itchy feet. So you you're looking forward to something? You're anxious? Why would we get why would we get itchy feet about travel tips episodes? Talking about all these new locations that people could go to? Because it's helpful. I- itchy. <laughs> all right. All right. It's what someone that it? enjoys going to new places. Oh, duh. Okay. Yeah, okay. I know. <laughs> duh. Okay. <laughs> okay. That was that was that was too easy. That was too easy. Yeah. Well, Jared. Um. Well, so this one I think will be very obvious, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. So I guess check. I have three check ones for you today. Oh man! And this get real ballsy there, Chief. You you better believe it. <laughs> this one you is betcha. meet Angelsko Terpvelost, which means um, to have the patience of an angel. 
Okay. Yeah, we say that. I think we'd say that in English is too. Uh, English too. That just means to be very patient. We. Uh, I, I've. I've. Um, um, now, Sydney can I ask I was, you though? Mm-hmm. What do we actually say though? We have a, the s- similar English untranslatable. We don't use the term angel. Oh, we don't. Is it none? I don't know. Who, who? Who do we? Who do you have the patience of? You have the patience of a New Orleans football team. Oh, of a saint. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. Patience uh, yeah. of a saint. I've seen a lot of kids since I've been here, and I mean, I see them everywhere. But since I've been here in uh, in uh, Michigan, Cindy and I always joke about living that dink lifestyle, which is dual income, no kids, and right. uh, seeing all these kids. Uh, like I've seen so many kids since I've been here, especially being at the mall in that position where the parents are grabbing them by one arm and they're just on the floor. You know what I, you know, that position. Oh, yeah. and I was like, Oh, gross. Yeah. I saw well, we went to breakfast this morning. The girl that was there, she took off her shoe at the table and her feet were on the table. And I was like, Oh my God. Oh, please don't. <clears throat> uh, but yeah. All right. Uh, my next one is Spanish specifically from Cuba. And it's, uh, Let's see if I can actually say this right. Te cogieron. See, I, I know how to say it, but it is kind of a tongue twister. Te cogieron uh, el culo. And you know what that Te last Te cogieron el culo? K O J I E R O N. Cogieron. Like, that's kind of a uh, tough one for my tough one American say. mouth. C- culo, culo is ass or booty. Yep. They grabbed your ass. Or like Tay, po- I guess, is you, technically. Yeah. Did, uh, so it's like your ass was grabbed? Essentially, yeah. You, you're, no. Is it like you've been fooled? You've been bamboozled? Ooh, switch it around. You haven't been fooled or bamboozled. You fooled so- someone. No, 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 no. That's my bad. No. Someone's trying. No. Well, that's going to give it away. So it's, you're, I'll give it to you. I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> Okay, because you're on the what right track, it, and I can't explain it in a way that I would not just give it away. It's when uh, you have been taken for a fool, so someone is trying to pull one uh-huh. over on you. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, okay. They're That's good to... that you got that one. That was not clear, I don't think. Not, or, not I don't think quite, it was obvious. I get it, though. I mean, we... I kind of thought of like pulling somebody's leg, but that's more like mm. you're joking with them. You're teasing them. Yeah, but yeah, still, yeah. This one's like someone's still. trying to pull one over on you. Right. They're, they're, you grabbing my what? ass? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. You, you, uh. you grab my ass? So, Jared, mine, uh, my next check on Translatable, we're going to go from the booty up to the head, and this is podchapitzi, which means under your cap. Like you got a secret, or you're like, uh, you got like a trick up tricks up your sleeve, maybe. You know, I'll, I think. Yep, the judges say yep. Yep, uh. they give it to you. <laughs> Basically, yeah, it's it's when someone's very clever, um, smart, and they have it under their cap, so they're smart, clever, resourceful, and they know their way around. So yeah, it's kind of like when you like I like the sentence they have here is like you have no idea what you're hiding under your cap. Same thing as like mm-hmm. you have no idea what I've got up my sleeve. Also, please, everyone, support the Untranslatable podcast with five-star reviews. It's very expensive traveling with these judges. Uh, I drove to Michigan. They require first-class flights, and then I had to get them their own hotel room. This is a very expensive trip. <laughs> um, my last one is also Cuban-Spanish, and I'm going to uh, 
leave the head and go right back down to the butt. <laughs> yes. I'm sure no. I'm sure Cuban Spanish has a bajillion booty untranslatables or culo I mean, untranslatables. I got two right here. Uh, no le cabe un alpiste en el culo. Now, do you know what uh, alpiste means? I don't. I don't either. I don't know which word it is. Uh, can, cannot fit another bird seed into their butt. Is that like they're full of it? Mm, no, it's positive. It's positive. So I uh, recently got a new job. Uh, I haven't started yet, but I got it. And I was telling my parents that I, I, um, that I found a new job and I really liked the position. I thought it was good. And they said, uh, wow, we cannot fit another bird seat in our butt. So we couldn't be happier? Yeah. I'm proud, but yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. All right, my last one is Czech, and it is Tanoce Jako Strudel, which means to be strudel, as slow as strudel? an apple pastry or a strudel. Is this just to be very slow, I would assume? Yep. yep. Okay. Be very, See, very slow. Uh, listen, these are obviously uh, easy ones, but these are untranslatables nonetheless. And you've also uh, done one every single episode, or done at least one every single episode for the past 10 months. So um, I think it's also good that we do get some of these easier ones out of the way. Mm-hmm. That's true. Uh, speaking of easier, nothing is... I, I thought this easy part of my whole unemployment was done when I uh, found a job. That was definitely the hardest part. But um, finding a new place to live is so stressful. So... Uh, first step of it uh, then we'll talk about some other places but let's just talk about the process as we see it here Uh, we can even talk about your situation there but um first step was you know even before i came here was uh finding a list of places and areas that i wanted to live in and sort of uh getting the list together and then i had to it's even harder too when you're out of state because if i want to visit these places which you probably should you got to do them all in like essentially a weekend. You got to plan it all so you can yep. fit it in. So some places I thought were nice, I kind of just had to straight up give up on because, uh, you know, a lot of places also do open houses where it's just like, you know, the realtor or whatever will, will let you, let it will say, come to this house and check it out. And so some people would be like, oh, we're doing it only on Thursday. And, you know, so I was like, well, I can't do that because I'm not going to be there on Thursday. So that place is not an option. So I got right. a list of about four places we found. I think two more while we're here to look at. And um, we, uh, I I just did, uh, I just, you know, go around, just drive around. Luckily, most of the places I'm looking at or all of them are in Royal Oak or Ferndale, which are right next to each other. And uh, so I was really going in a radius of about like 10, a 10 minute radius, maybe five mile radius. And, uh, you know, you look at places and then eventually I did find a place I like, but then of course, that's just the beginning of the stress is finding the place. But then you also sure. got to make sure you apply to it before other people did. So I found it at around, and I decided that I really wanted that one at around four o'clock. Uh, so I called the, um, the realtor woman to let her know, but she didn't answer because it was a Saturday. Uh, so I called, left a message, let her know that I was interested in applying. And then I, through Zillow, which is a website where you could find, it aggregates a bunch of places for sale and rent. You can also a- apply, or excuse, uh, request the application. So I did that there too. I did my due diligence. And then today's nice, Sunday. good work. I don't know what the protocol is for, because these people that do like home management or like real estate seem like they're always on, but it seemed wrong to contact them on a Sunday. So I didn't do that. But there's an open house for this place on uh, 
Monday at five o'clock in the afternoon. So first thing Monday morning, I'm calling again to make sure I can get that application before the uh, open house even happens. Good call. And, Good call. Um, yeah, and then usually the kind of the usual thing here, I mean, I don't know what this place specifically because I haven't done it yet. You have to pay to apply usually. It's cheap. It's like $20, $15. It's usually more like a processing kind of fee because most, com- most people or companies do that through some sort of website situation. And then to actually get the place, usually it's like first, re- first month's rent, last month's rent, and then some sort of security deposit. And uh, so it's actually kind of prohibitive for a lot of people to get into uh, places. It's expensive, yeah. There, there's that whole uh, stat about like how like a vast majority of Americans don't even have like a thousand dollars if they were in um, you know some sort of emergency, and that uh, you know for most places that people would be looking at you know first last and security deposits probably going to be more than a thousand dollars even if it's an affordable place, and it makes oh, it makes sure. it tough for a lot of people. Um, and going on tours is kind of annoying because you got to answer the same question over and over again. Mm-hmm. Uh, ask right. the same questions over and over again. But it is kind of fun seeing a whole bunch of different places. Some places we saw, like there were a couple places I saw where I was like, oh, this place is nice. Then you go into the bathroom and it's like, it looks like a, like they haven't cleaned the bathroom in years. There's so much mold in this one bathroom. It was Ooh. disgusting. And there was masking tape around the actual faucet of the, of the bathroom. I was like, first of all, masking tape? What a weird tape choice. Right. Second right. of all, I don't want to see any tape on a faucet. <laughs> nope. Nope. That's not uh, good. But there's a lot of mold in there too. And the and I was like, man, that's a bummer because I like this place, but I could not handle this bathroom. Um, I don't blame you. I don't blame you one bit. <laughs> but uh, another good thing about, uh, and then we'll get into another thing I wanted to talk about. Another good thing about moving from Philadelphia here to Michigan, standard of living. So I would like mm, to ask true. you... First, we'll start with the world. Then we'll get with, to the U.S. What are the most expensive places, cities, essentially, yes, yeah, cities to live in the world? I have the top 10. Uh, Dubai's got to be up there. It is not up there. I thought it was no, up there, too, because I, I, um, uh, I, when I was looking for this list, Sydney was around, and we were quizzing each other. I thought Dubai had to be up there as well, and it was not. Okay. Switzerland? Zurich? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Parada. Switzerland's on the list twice. So probably Zurich and either Bern or Lucerne? No, Geneva. Oh, d- duh. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see here. Other. Oh, I'm sure Washington, D.C. is up there, right? Uh, no, not for the world. Okay. Really? Not are for there, the world. There are U.S. ones in there, though, aren't there? There is one U- or two U.S. cities on this list. L.A. There you go. Parada. And is the other one in California as well? No, but I thought it would be. I'm surprised. I did too. So then New and, York City? Uh, yep. Parada. Ooh, all right. All right. And those are, and by the way, so uh, Switzerland, the two Swiss ones are fourth and fifth. And uh, seventh is New York, and it's tied with another country or city and country. And Los Angeles is 10th. Okay. Oh, so wow. So some of these are tied. Really? So like there's the top 10, but like... So one, what can one, be one. more expensive than than New York and LA and Zurich and Geneva, um, Hong Kong? Ooh, very good. Parada. Hong Kong is tied number one with a couple other cities. Couple other what? Okay, there's so three kind of top one. places. Oh, Tokyo. I bet you Tokyo's up no, there. No, Tokyo is on the <sighs> list. No, okay. no, no. Tokyo is 
not on the list, but another Japanese city, Osaka, is on the list. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, Seoul? Is Seoul? Yep. Seoul's not that expensive. Really? No, it is. Yep. Okay. It's tied with New York, actually. For In seventh? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So what's number one, then? What's tied with Hong Kong? Singapore is number one. Okay. Paris is also in the top spot. Oh, duh. Okay. And then it's Zurich and Geneva, then Osaka, then Seoul, then Copenhagen, surprisingly, is an expensive place to live. Oh, I don't know why I didn't think about the Scandinavian countries. That's true. Okay. But that's the only one on there. Okay. And then Tel Aviv is expensive uh, as well. I already said New Mm -hmm. York. And Los Angeles. Okay. Now, this is interesting because I got this list from the same website. And the, it seems like the most expensive places to live in the U- U.S. kind of contradicts this a little bit. But uh, let's go to the most expensive places in the U.S. So, L.A., San Francisco. San Francisco's number one, and L.A.'s number seven. Okay, weird. But how okay. is that possible? Because uh, San Francisco's not on, the, and it's just from the same website. But anyway, that doesn't matter. Um, right. huh. I also have the, for the U.S. ones, I have the average cost of... Uh, of rent take a guess on what san francisco's Ooh, average cost san of francisco? rent is probably two thousand a month yeah for a broke boy like you <laughs> <laughs> three thousand a month three thousand five hundred ninety that yeah. is a lot of money god damn you balling man i mean you our could... buddy don uh lives in san francisco he's moving uh, to denver soon but he lives in san francisco and his rent, actually, I think he's probably officially moved at this point. His rent it was about a little more than a thousand, and he had a room. And when I mean a room, I mean there was really nothing a else to do in that room, room except yeah. for except for sleep. Right. Huh. Okay. Dang, dude, for three thousand five hundred, that would be a mortgage on a house payment, a really nice house in Michigan. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'm I'm looking into leasing a house, and my it's cheaper than my rent. Uh, in Philadelphia, right? Okay, so 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 was San Fran uh, so, number one? Yep, and uh, you should know okay. number two. That's Washington, D.C. No, no, no. It was no? on. It was on the other list. So L.A. or New York? New York. There you go. There you go. New York. Okay. And average rent there is uh, thirty three hundred. Okay. Right. Okay. Number four, three. Excuse me. What's number three? Boston. Okay. With what? Probably two thousand seven hundred. Twenty three. It drops okay. off drastically after those top two. Okay. Oakland, uh, which is in the California. close to San Francisco, is uh, 22, 22.8, so about 23. San Jose, Damn. which is in the same area as Oakland and San Francisco, is uh, 22.7. D.C. is 22. Los Angeles is about uh, 1,900. Uh, actually, about 2,000. It's 1,970. Miami, about 1,900. Chicago, seventeen ninety, and Seattle at seventeen fifty. Damn, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I actually I have Notice a perfect example. From Michigan's is, on that list. <laughs> that's true. Uh, my buddy, uh, my buddy slash cousin Chris, who uh, we both know well, he was talking <laughs> about. He loves real estate and stuff. That's hilarious. Uh, he loves <laughs> real estate and stuff. Did we talk about that here? I think we did. We don't have to. If we, yeah. if, either, if you did, I, I highly recommend finding that if we did. Uh, if we didn't, then we'll just keep it that way for Chris's sake. Uh, so he right. was talking about how he really likes California. He was talking about how he would love to, um, to buy, like, uh, buy a place in San Francisco 
excuse me, in San Diego. But he, but he, beautiful he's also city, from, by the way. It is. It's also a pricey city. He's also from Detroit. He's from the Detroit area, and so he loves. He knows a lot about real estate there, and he also, I'm sure, looks at the real estate a lot in San Diego. So a two bedroom, one bath. He found that's a thousand twenty eight square feet, which is small for you know, people using the metric system. Um, this goes for seven hundred and ninety nine thousand dollars, eight hundred thousand dollars in Detroit. That's expensive. In Detroit, I want you to guess bedroom, bath, and square footage of a place you could get in Detroit for, for that, that price? same price, eight hundred thousand dollars. I mean, I've seen, I have seen multifamily apartment units go for that much in Detroit. So okay, so I would guess, I don't know, you could probably get like a anywhere from four to six bed, probably three bath in there would be my guess. Uh, how many square feet are you thinking? I have no idea. I'm terrible. You don't know how to do that. Okay. Well, three thousand is about the size of like a medium-sized house. Maybe a good a good-sized medium-sized house. Okay, so I'm I'm gonna go with like three to four. four I'm gonna go four to five thousand square feet. Okay. For that price, seven twenty West Boston Boulevard, Detroit, Michigan. For eight hundred thousand dollars, you can get an eight-bedroom, six-bath, nine-thousand-square-foot house. This house is gorgeous, (laughs) dude. Let's see if I can show you a picture of it. Oh my! Yeah. No, damn. Or if you were to go to Gross Point, which is considered a rich person area here in uh, right. yeah, <laughs> in, in Michigan, Michigan, for sure. For the same price, there is a six bed, five bath, uh, fifty five hundred square foot house for the same price of a uh, two bed, two bedroom, two one bath in San Diego. That's one thousand square feet. So nine times the size. And uh, four times the bedrooms and six times the bathroom. <laughs> this just this just reiterates that I never want to. I love California, but I would never want to live there. It's so expensive. Dude, I, I was considering looking for jobs. Like there are some places that I thought had cool jobs in uh, Northern California. There's a lot of like cool tech stuff going on there, both car related and not. Uh, but I was like, I, I can't do it. I, I'm not willing. First of all, I'm not willing to go back to having a roommate. I haven't had a roommate in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um. And, uh, like, I just don't want to, I don't, I like, it's going to totally ruin any standard of living you have because all your money goes towards your rent. And I couldn't do yeah. it. I could yeah. not do it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a beautiful thing living alone. If, if you're yes. used to it, I really enjoy it for sure. Yeah. My, I, the first place I lived was uh, after college was with Don. And it was fun. I like living with him, especially since he's social. So he got me out of the house. But like, as soon as I moved to Philadelphia and started living by myself, I'm like, yeah, I'm not going back. I can't do it. So much freedom. Right. Right. Yeah. I love the freedom. It's, it's great. But at the same time, um, I feel like you can definitely get stuck be- becoming a recluse and not doing anything and just staying at home all the time. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I, you're preaching to the choir. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Another thing I found interesting. Now, this is now we're going to Europe. Okay. When uh, now I'm gonna more quizzing for you. I like this. Okay. When uh, Europeans, so we're gonna. I want you to name. Uh, so their country list of countries from highest to uh, about the youngest of when Europeans leave their parents' home. So usually, uh, now this isn't normal, but at least where I come from, I'm meaning my household, in in my head, and I think in my parents' head, once I graduated with college from college. 
it was time to it was that was when I would find my own place. Like in my head, mm-hmm. at least I don't know if my parents my parents didn't specifically say that to me, but that's what I felt like. It was like once I'm done with college, it's time for me to move out and find my place. And so like I moved back into my parents' place for like three months. But that was really just the process of me finding a place to live. Yep. And even while yeah. I was there, I had a strong feeling that I got to get out of here. Sure. So, it's that transition phase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, your parents asking you where you're going, what time you get coming home, who you're hanging out with. Like, don't worry about a mom. I'm an adult now. <laughs> right. You're right. <laughs> I'm graduated, mom. Um, I assume it seems like you probably had a similar feeling, too. To where mm-hmm. it was like, and it kind of helped, too, that you were going to grad school. So it kind of naturally got you back out of the house. But it right. seemed like you didn't really have any plans to really like, uh, like go back. And you're in a little different situation because you do all you do these different sort of teaching assignments, which don't allow you to get like a permanent place to stay, really. Mm-hmm. But well, I guess you did when you were in uh, in grad school. You had you were in that place for like four years. Four years straight. Yep. But um, yeah, now you can, now in the in the situation that you're in, it, it causes you to. Uh, come back for a couple months uh, and, yep. and, and relive with uh, your parents. And we'll actually, in a couple of weeks, talk about what that's like. So we'll see. Oh, yeah. It'll be interesting. Um, I was actually talking to... Uh, so I went to a great breakfast place this morning that I love to go to. And they, uh, they have homemade jams. And mm-hmm. uh, nice. it wasn't that good. What it made me think was, I need to get that real good good, that real crack that your that mom makes, Cindy that strawberry jam. Yeah, can't, oh my can't be beat. Gosh. I'm gonna be honest; oh it cannot gosh. be beat. I, I I was talking about how like your mom's given me a few jars, and this rate at which I eat it is embarrassing. <laughs> Dude, you should have. You're you're not that far from my parents. You could easily swing by and grab some. I mean, I'll be back soon. I'll be back. That soon. is true. That is true. I, I don't I don't need to get hooked to this crack this early. That's true. Because I'm going to finish it even before I get back to Philadelphia. And be like, <laughs> like calling your mom. Hey, can you just send me one? I know I'm going to be back your girlfriend's, soon. <laughs> your girlfriends are going to come back to the room when we're done recording. And you're just eating it with a spoon. Like, what, what are you All eating? All over my what face is and hands. Right. I'm just sticking my finger in there. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, I have to say, though, you're right. Like, yeah, I had the place in East Lansing for four years, which was great. Um. And I liked that because it was a location. The rent didn't go up too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I paid. So it was a, a one. I couldn't tell you what the square footage was, but it was one it was bedroom. Small. It, uh, not it, small, it, but it wasn't like, it wasn't small. That's not the right way to put it. It wasn't, a studio, it wasn't a studio apartment, but it was. Right. I had a, like eight, a bedroom. square feet, maybe. Probably, maybe a little yeah, less than that. I, th- I think that actually sounds about right. I remember okay. when I first took a look at it, I thought he said somewhere around the eights for square feet. Um, That's actually pretty good for an apartment, too. Yeah, and it was, and the location was great. It had a pretty decent sized bedroom, um, mm-hmm. walk-in closet, bathroom, kitchen, little dining area, and a living room. And mm-hmm. I was within walking distance to most things. I mean, I drove to school every morning just because it was a lot quicker, and I had a parking pass, so why not? But I think I paid like my last year there. I think I paid about six hundred a month, which yeah, was all great. right for for having mm-hmm. my own place. Um, it was it was perfect. Um, but yeah, it's a big, it's a big change going from having your own place to going back to your parents. Um, and I will, yeah, we can talk about it in a couple weeks. It seems like for some, for some Europeans, it's harder for others. So the average, and this is the EU specifically, so that'll help Mm -hmm. narrow it down a little bit. So the average age that, uh, Europeans fly the nest in the EU is 26 years old. Now, obviously there's some that are above that and there are some that are below that. And now you probably won't get the first one. 
So I'm just going to give you the first one. Okay. The first one is uh, uh, Montenegro. Excuse me. That's the oldest. The oldest. The oldest, uh, Montenegro. Okay. How old do you think people in Montenegro leave their home? 28. 28. 32 and a half is the average age that wow. people leave their okay. home. But see, I bet you it's because they probably help out with their parents and they do stuff. All right, would sure. Be my, would, would be my guess. I mean, different cultures. Right. I mean, I know a few people from China that like live in their parents' house forever because that's just kind of how the culture is. Well, there are definitely also a lot of cultures around the world. Even in the U.S., this is kind of a thing, especially in um, more religious households where it's like almost wrong to, especially for uh, women, because we also live in uh, sexist. Most cultures are very sexist as well. It's, Unfortunately, it's like yeah. uh, wrong for them to. But this is also in some like for males too. It's uh, sort of uncouth or wrong to leave the house before you're married. So like you move out mm-hmm. and move in with your husband or wife, and that's like the first time you live alone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so what do you th- what what do you think are some other uh, old people that need to get out of their parents' house? Some other countries where people need to grow up, get out of the house, grow up and get out of the house. <laughs> I have. I don't even know where to begin. No idea. Okay. Well, let's start from the bottom then. What do you think are some cultures where do you think that they they're quick to get out of the house? Some, they're. Uh, I um, think Germany. The, yeah, Germany is uh, one, two, three, fifth from the bottom. They they mm-hmm. get out at about twenty three point seven, which is makes sense. Sort of a post college, I would say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they're not the youngest. France. The youngest is actually uh, no. France is uh, about on par with Germany at about twenty at twenty four years old. The okay. youngest are the also. It's interesting because the first, the top four, are places that we've often talked about for having amazing standards of living, and I think this Finland kind of Finland is the third at twenty one point nine, essentially twenty two. Okay. Number one is Sweden at twenty one. Okay. Two is Denmark, 21.1. Four is uh, Netherlands at at 23.6. So it's interesting. Those Scandinavian countries are like way ahead of the rest because it goes 21 for Sweden, 21 for Denmark, and then 21.9 for Finland. And then the next jump up is Netherlands at 23.6. I wonder why that is. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. But I want—I I must have something to do with a good standard of living, it, you know, because those are also expensive places to live. Right. But it seems well, like they don't have problems getting out of the house. I also wonder, though, too, if they get government assistance, you know, if mm. they study at university or oh, you know, when, yeah. they're, when they're Possibly. young, you know, because, I mean, the reason why we, in theory, moved out of our parents at 18 was because we started, you know, college. Right. Had and I not, not started... Go ahead. I don't consider uh, I don't consider that moving out. Like when I say when I move when I tell people like the age I moved out of my parents' house, I would say twenty two or twenty one or whatever. Like twenty two. I don't okay. really consider going to college moving out, especially since my parents were heavily supporting me in college. Well then, well then, in that case, dude, this would have been the first year I moved out at at twenty six, twenty seven, because okay. I was still I was still going to college. I mean, I was going to grad school, but it's still. But the, were they were so like paying for your rent and stuff? Of course not. No, no, I was paying for all that. I'd say you were generally supporting yourself, though. For the most part, yeah, I'd say like eighty. Like that's why. That's why. I, that's why I don't count at least college for me. It's because I was doing. I had no ability to support myself in right, undergrad. Right, me either. Me either, for sure. It would. And, it would be you, way too expensive. 
you had the ability to support yourself in grad school. And so I'd consider that even though you were technically still in college, I'd consider that mm. moving out because maybe you weren't 100% on your own, but I'd say you right. were probably more on your own than not as far as oh, finances sure. go. And right. got my grad school paid for as well. So Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, they weren't paying yeah, for or right. helping That's pay fair. for that either. Exactly. I mean, they yeah, they, they would help me out occasionally with like groceries, car repairs, things mm-hmm. like that. But um, I think my I think at the time my mom was still paying my cell phone bill. Um, but a lot of well, other let me stuff with you. I'm still on my parents' family plan. Nice. And I theoretically could get my own, but I'm not. Well, I'm well. They listen to this sometimes. I'm not going to mention. <laughs> well, it. Watch out, Jared. <laughs> watch out to their oh, face at least. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. Until so I absolutely yeah, so, have to. So then it was 22 for me. 21, okay. 22. Yeah. 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 And the thing that's interesting though too is the different types of living arrangements, right? Like I think a lot mm-hmm. of young people in the states and also in Europe, they tend to move to an apartment or a flat, which makes sense because yes. you don't have the capital to buy a house. Although I did have a friend in grad school. Now it helped that her husband was uh, working full time and made pretty, pretty decent money. They bought a house and actually their house payments were less than my rent payments per month. Um, mm-hmm. And then they ended up selling the house when they moved. So that was a good financial money play by them. I assume. Right. Whereas I was not I, in the... Yeah? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was not in the financial... Uh, situation where I could do that at the time. Yeah, yeah, I would. I'm, in, I'm in the same boat. I would love to. We've talked, especially you. You talk a lot about wanting to buy a house and all that stuff and getting into real estate. And um, the, the, the. I mean, it's, it's great, like financially, but the, uh, the barrier to entry is high because you have to have a level of down payment sure. at least like ten or twenty percent, and then there's taxes and stuff and all, and that you usually have to pay up front. But as far as then actually getting a mortgage, usually that it would be a lot of times cheaper than what like the rent would be in an equivalent place. Right. Uh, and you can make some money off of it theoretically because houses tend to be appreciating assets if the market, if the, if the economy is not doing terribly. Right. Get that, get that cash flow, fam. That's for sure. Uh, yeah. Well, Jared, I want to talk, though, about a couple other types of housing arrangements around the world. Um, okay. Because, you know, not, not everywhere has just your standard apartments. And there are some really interesting types of housing around the world. And the first one I'm going to start with, uh, we are going to be in Central Asia in um, Kyrgyzstan. I actually have a buddy from Kyrgyzstan and they have yurts over there. And what a yurt is, is basically it's a portable tent that uh, traditionally is composed of animal skins. um, And these structures were intended as temporary shelters that um, would allow them to uh, you know, live that nomad lifestyle where they were moving around. Now, mm-hmm. though, with different and more contemporary construction methods and access to new materials, now yurts can also be used as permanent housing, which is pretty cool. And they look yeah. like a, like this kind of white, kind of mm-hmm. cylindrical with yes. the top of a point kind of house. And they're really cool mm-hmm. looking. Um, yeah. And so that's that's one type of housing out there. I'm curious what it would cost to build a yurt. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure a lot of the people that live in those are not hiring like a construction company to build it for them. So it's probably right. more how much is your time worth and how much are the materials that are that, that cost to build that. I remember, now I want to hear more from your list, but I remember when I was in Tanzania. Now, you know, if you're in, uh, you know, I hate that sort of, uh, 
that sort of um, <clears throat> stereotype that like, oh, where do y'all live in huts in, in the wo- in right. the bush? Because there are real cities in Tanzania. But sure, but it's also true. <laughs> I, yeah, I was going to say, but <laughs> I was in a small uh, village for a lot of my time there, and there were, um, you know, it's interesting. You could tell like the there were a lot of yeah, a lot of it was self built stuff, but you can tell mm-hmm. the. Uh, sort of the financial situation of people based off of the material that it's built out of. So okay. there is, um, there's like a mud kind of stone thing that was often used with more of a, like a um, straw sort of a roof. And those mm-hmm. were like very, you know, very poor people. And um, those were usually had like dirt grounds and stuff. And the thing about those is they're not as like sturdy. They, they break down quicker, obviously. Mm-hmm. And but from there it would go up. So sometimes you'd see um, dirt ones with uh, with metal roofs. So maybe you, you still had the dirt, but you could afford a better roof. Mm-hmm. Or if you're really uh, balling in the uh, in the uh, balling in the bush, there was uh, you could buy bricks. You could pay for bricks, and uh, and usually if obviously if you're paying for bricks, you could also probably afford like a metal roof. Right. And so. Um, there are just there there are varying levels. You could even see areas where they because they would sun dry a lot of the bricks, uh, so you could see even like the varying like price points of brick in the areas where they were being dried from like you know the more traditional bricks that we're used to here in the U.S. down to uh, just mud that's been formed and dried in the sun. Interesting. Did mm-hmm. you and you stayed in some of those? No, we stayed in like a uh, we stayed in like a, a hotel. It was it was built i guess you'd say traditionally <laughs> i don't know okay. it, we did okay. not stay in one of those no damn i'd be curious to hear what it's like to stay in in one of those huts that would be quite an experience for sure well i want to tell you though about the dugouts in uh cooper petty a southern Cooper Australi- thank you a southern australian town which is known for its dugouts which are special shelters built beneath the earth's surface mm-hmm. usually out this. of I believe they're they're like looks like marble of some sort or like hmm. it says the opal capital of the world. So according to Smithsonian Magazine, these underground uh, homes act as an oasis from the outback's heat. Summer yes. temperatures reach a swelling 113 degrees Fahrenheit. That'd be, that'd be around what 40, 42 degrees Celsius, I believe, somewhere in that ballpark. I mean, you, you should you would know better than me. So, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, also occasional dust storms. So half of the town's residents as well as a museum, a church, and even a hotel have opted for this underground style of housing. And if you just Google underground houses um, in Australia, you can see them, and they look awesome. They look really, really cool. Um, yeah, I actually have recent, just recently heard about that. I've never actually like seen any of them. But I, I, the only reason I knew how to say Cooper PD is because I literally just heard about those uh, like a couple weeks ago. Oh, nice. Another really fascinating style of, of home. Oh, these are cool. Yeah, they're sweet, aren't they? They kind of look like uh, the house that uh, the guy from Star Wars lived in. Oh, that's true. Skywalker? Yeah, 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 you're right. Another crazy one, too, is the cave homes they have in Matmata, Tunisia, which are, uh, these are ancient abodes that have been carved out of sandstone. Sandstone, I can't talk this evening, to keep people comfortable all year long. Um, and so it's usually situated around a central pit and connected by a network of passageways. Um, and these properties provide protection from North African sun and desert mm. winds, which is pretty cool. And some of these cave homes uh, around the world have also been turned into unique cave hotels. 
So if you're traveling somewhere, check that oh, out. That might be that really be cool awesome. to visit. Yeah, that would be yeah. really sweet, right? It's cool um, to see how different mm-hmm. people like adjust to their climates. Oh, for like, sure. For example, like the uh, some some Native American tribes uh, that live in places like Alaska, uh, you know, have like um like a what do you call oh igloos, and you would th- and 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 they oh were you about to say talk about that? All right, just yep, keep going. You, br- you have more you, information. You bring than me. I do. You bring me to our next one, which is. <laughs> Um, in Baffin Island, Canada, which are igloos. And igloos are mm. basically sheets of snow and ice that um, are uh, created to keep people warm and insulated out of the cold um, elements. And so, yeah, what's crazy is that igloos are deeply connected to Inuit culture. And um, there's a lot of different styles of igloos that they make. But what's amazing is I've actually built an igloo with a few friends of mine in Michigan. And when you go inside, especially if you are able to um, get most of the snow off the ground, at least where we were, um, mm-hmm. it was really warm inside. Like, it wasn't bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think any kid from Michigan has experience doing that. And um, yeah. And I think the way that they do it is that they, like, first it's like... I mean, obviously, theirs are better than the ones that we made in elementary in middle school. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. But, uh, for sure. I, at least if I'm not mistaken, I could be totally wrong, and I'm willing to take that risk, is that they have like sheets of ice that are mm-hmm. sort of like the structure of it. Then you put snow on top of that, and uh, I believe that insulates it pretty well. It does. It does. And then the, the last few uh, types of housing I'd like to discuss are... Um, all of the different kind of boat houses you get on the canals, especially if you go to Amsterdam, um, oh, there yeah. are tons and tons of them. They look awesome. They also have them in some canals in England as well, which is pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Um, canal boats France in, in London. Right. Um, anywhere where there's canals, I'm sure there are houses. I'm sure you but, can do it anywhere there's, yeah. But the other two cool ones that I really like are, there's a big movement now called the Tiny House Movement. And these Mm. are minimalist design houses, usually where the top of the house is a loft where you sleep. The bottom of the house might be big enough for a very small kitchen and maybe a tiny little living room with a small couch. So tiny houses are sweet. um, Do you really think that's cool? Oh, I think they're awesome. I think they're so awesome. You don't don't think you need more space than that? I mean, look, I don't think I could live there permanently, but having like a little Mm. tiny house as a cabin somewhere, for sure, without a doubt, would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be cool. Um, I think I think you could live in a tiny house. You would just have to. I think in at least Western culture, we're very hoarder-ish with our things. Yes. And so you would have to really be able to pare down and get rid of things that might have sentimental value. That I think at the end of the day, though, you'd probably realize it wasn't actually as important to you as you thought. The big thing is obviously our FOMO or fear of missing out, where you're worried. Oh well, if I don't have this cool t-shirt from college you know i can't yeah, yeah you know it's stupid um, that, so that yeah, my is, that's something that uh you know even though i'm gonna be moving soon and it's obviously a terrible uh uh exhausting process but it is a great way to to clear out some of that crap that you that you have get rid of like, that clutter for sure because it makes it definitely makes me really you know it, decide how important do i think this is and a lot of times the answer is not as important it's just been sitting on my table for for essentially years at this point, I've just been too lazy to decide what to do with it. Right, exactly, exactly. And my problem with if I were to move into one of these tiny houses, I've actually toyed with the idea. My biggest problem, though, Jared, as you know, would be my guitar collection. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. 
I wouldn't be able to do you, to do it. You couldn't you couldn't decide on say three guitars. I can I actually have had this talk before. Um, shout out to Danielle, um, where I would narrow it down to maybe two or three guitars if I had to. One would electric. You, what would it be? Yeah, I was about to say one acoustic, and then the acoustic would probably be a classical, and then maybe either one other electric or one other like a steel string acoustic. Um, mm. But I I think I could I could even go out on on a limb, and say I could narrow it down to two. An electric and an acoustic, right, right, right. If, if I had to, um, what would be? I mean, you have a bunch mm-hmm. of guitars. What would be your go-to electric if you uh, had to choose one and burn them all? All the other ones, Jimi Hendrix uh, style. <laughs> probably. Well, either the Fender Stratocaster I've had since high school, mm-hmm. but I made. Well, it wasn't really a mistake, but I bought a really nice Telecaster before I left for the Czech Republic. So probably that one. That one I just don't have the sentimental value to it yet because I got it right before I left. But mm. that's actually what I used to record our intro song, believe it or not. It's oh. a new Telecaster. So, but Parada. it would definitely be a Fender then. Yep, yep. It'd be okay. because the thing is, so the, the other guitars I have, electrics, are um, like two of them are hollow bodies. And hollow bodies are cool, but number one, they take up tons of space. And two, mm. because they're hollow bodies, you have to make sure you really clean the insides of it. Um, otherwise, you can get crackling and different things um, with the electronics. So I would want a, a guitar where the electronics aren't as easily exposed to the elements. Exactly. And with the Fender guitar, mm. too, they were designed where if I broke something on it, it's easily fixable. With the other mm. guitars, the, the neck is in, inserted into the body. So if the neck breaks... You can't just take it off. Right, you could re-glue it like a professional luthier could do it, but I do not have those skills. I do have enough skills I was, where I could grab a screwdriver and <laughs> screw it and slap another one on there. That's what you call a guitar fixer is a luthier? Yeah, luthier. I've uh-huh. never heard that word before. Yeah, luthier. And I that's guess I've the, never needed it. but That's also like a, like a uh, uh, well, well, I don't know about a piano builder, but like a violin builder, cello builder, they're all luthiers. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've never instrument heard builder. Before. It's a fancy word for instrument builder. But so mm-hmm. the tiny houses are sick. And a lot of them, you can also put them on wheels. And so that means they're portable. So oh, if like you wanted to. Get a trailer? To, yeah. So if you wanted to. Hook it to, up to Vic. <laughs> exactly. If, that's my car, by the way, people. Uh, <laughs> hook it up to my 97 Crown Victoria and head out to the woods in, up north in Michigan and just become a. I don't even know what the correct term would be. But yeah. The other type of housing, though, that I think is awesome that's uh, become popular in the last few years is um, shipping container housing. Where oh, people, yeah. Yeah, which is sweet. So people take these old shipping containers and they basically remodel them. I think a shipping container will cost you one shipping container, I believe will run you two to 4000 US dollars. And most houses Damn, will have two to three. Um, but I think once you actually do the ele- electricity and insulate it and everything, I think most, I could be wrong with this number, but from what I've read, I think most shipping container houses will run you anywhere from 10 to 50 grand. But if you okay. look at how much a house will cost, that can be a lot cheaper than a house, but it's also going yeah. to be a lot smaller as well, depending on mm-hmm. how many shipping containers you use. I like the idea of say having like a big piece of land and just as you you know get make more money adding onto it with more and more shipping containers and until you, can you have do like that. a labyrinth of shipping containers. Exactly, which would be pretty That'd sweet. Be cool. There's a, a place in Philadelphia called the Cherries cherry street pier i think oh it's actually you know on our story the other a couple days or weeks ago i had that libertad pic, uh, art piece that i oh, showed yeah, you that was cool yeah 
so there they have um they have like a it's like kind of like a I guess you'd call it like an artist collective. And they have like two stories of shipping containers. And artists, whether it's a musician, uh, uh, um, musical artist, or, 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 or painting or whatever, you could rent out uh, one of those containers. And it's like a little office that you can have there. Oh, and cool. uh, there's like windows in it. So you can like, I, I went there like at night on a Saturday. So no, nothing was really happening. But if you go during the week, you could, uh, you know, like watch people. Um, Watch people uh, do their art and stuff. Which is pretty awesome. Another yeah. type of housing that's really cool, and you could go on YouTube and find people making these, are very, very basic log cabins for like hunting or camping. And it's crazy. Yeah, they actually make kits for that that you can buy. Right. And well, the crazy thing is too, I've seen videos of guys in like Alaska and other places where they will, you know, chop down whatever trees are near there and can build up a log cabin within like a couple days or a week. Now, it's not very big. What? It may not have electricity unless you get like a generator out there, but it's really cool. And um, it just goes to show you that if, you, if you're willing to be creative and if you're willing to take the time and the effort, you can really build something that could be a decent place for you to stay. Maybe not live permanently. That would probably take a lot more time and money, but mm-hmm. it is doable definitely for like a vacation home or a cottage which is also super common here in the Czech Republic. A lot of people have a weekend cottage uh, that they go to in the mountains, which is pretty sweet. My piano teacher was, well, was t- when we went to the last Red Velvet Hall concert, she was telling me we drove past this house that she said that someone that she knew, it was a good-sized house, bought the house and totally knocked it down and built an entire place, entire new house by himself. Oh, wow. And while while he was building it, uh, it took a couple of years. But while he was building it, him, his wife, and I believe one or two kids lived in a uh, like a, a trailer that they had by like right next to the property. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that is crazy. And just imagine how satisfying it is to live in a place that you built entirely by yourself. I mean, I'm oh, sure you had sure. help, but like he, there was no like companies and stuff. It was just like his hands and and yeah. stuff. I and actually have to be a- ridiculously satisfying. I actually have a friend of, well, actually a friend of my exes who they, um, they, they do the same thing, actually. They are staying in a trailer right now, and they're working on building, uh, building their house or making renovations to it, which I think is awesome. Yeah, um, I think that's awesome, too. It's really amazing. I feel um, like I wouldn't even like have be able to. wouldn't even know where to begin with that. But I, I, I guess theoretically, if I really cared or wanted to, I could figure it out, too. You, you, you need to plan. You just need a plan, and well, I think well, never be, mind. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think it's doable. I mean, my my uncle and my cousin built their. Um, they ended up building their uh, cabin there uh, in in Red Lodge, Montana, for the most part by themselves. And I think it took him a couple of years. He bought the land first and then built that, but um, it was pretty cool. Well, if uh, you're going to be building, if you're going to be building your own house, it's going to take some time, and you better have a pretty good playlist to uh, be blasting some tunes while you're doing that. Uh, you oh, believe hey, it. speaking of which, <laughs> uh, let's, we should talk about our song of the pod. So our song of the pod for this week is by a group called Chekomor, which means in Czech, the Czech Plague, um, which I know sounds like a scary, almost sounds like a metal band title, but they are actually a group that fuses folk music, Czech folk music with rock music. Now the song that mm. we have is less rock, and much right. more folk, uh, but it is called Promieni, which means metamorphosis. 
And uh, before I talk about it, what are your thoughts on the song, Jared? Uh, clearly, they're very popular. They were playing on a very big stage. And everyone, I, you know, you showed me it was like a live performance. Everyone was mm-hmm. singing along to it. You could hear. Yep. yep. Um, when I first heard of, when I first heard it, it sounded like a movie score to me. It almost felt like yeah. I was watching like Czech Game of Thrones or something like that. That's fair. Um, That's fair. I, I it had a very uh, it, it had a very uh, like so picture Lord of the Rings or something like that, and that's sort of the vibe that. Or you can just listen to it if you follow us on Twitter. Uh, I'll post it there, or go to our song, the pod playlist on YouTube. But it had a very like um, like it. It almost had, felt like um, in a weird way. And I know this doesn't really make sense, but it felt like felt like more of a composition than a song. Like it had more of like a arc to it rather than like a go back to the chorus. Couple sure. new verse. Go back to the chorus. Right, R- right. It ha- it's in some ways like I would say the music does not sound like Queen, but it has that style of Queen has a lot mm. of songs that doesn't have like a set chorus verse chorus verse outro. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so yeah, you're right. It has like a beautiful, beautifully orchestrated intro. And so mm-hmm. the reason why I chose this song is I watched them play it live on Friday, and it blew my mind. Now, I didn't understand what they were singing, um, but... <laughs> but that's uh, what makes music so great. You don't even have right. to to get the vibe and what they're getting at. Right. I mean, the, but the way... I didn't know the title of the song, but my my check ear is good enough that I picked up a couple of the words, um, and mm. I Googled those, and then I found the song. Um, but they played the song live, and what was cool was there were these three younger guys in the band who were the the rhythm section, guitar, drums, bass, I would guess they were probably in their mid to late 20s or early 30s. And then the two front men, one plays a violin, the other one plays guitar. They both sing and they harmonize really well. They've got to be in their 60s, easily in their 60s. And uh, and then they had this woman come out and sing this song with them. Uh, and it just blew my mind. The harmonies, the music, everyone in the crowd was singing along. It was really a mm-hmm. sight to see. And they were awesome. Um, so yeah, How did you uh, mm-hmm. end up at this concert? So my mentor um, said, yeah, this band is coming to Komutov at the, they call it the Letnikino or Summer Cinema, where it's basically this big outdoor pavilion where you can have live concerts. Oh, or, I love that. Yep. Yep. Live concerts and stuff. And uh, and it was it was great. I'll, I'm no point in showing you pictures. I'll just post them later. Um, but uh, yeah, so it was a great concert. Um, they were absolutely fantastic. Uh, Chekomor. And yeah, so they played uh, Promieni, which means metamorphosis, and it blew my mind. And the crazy thing is the the rhythm guitar player, or I don't know if he was rhythm or lead, doesn't really matter. He played the clarinet, I believe. Oh, cool. I'm pretty sure it was the clarinet. So he played this intro on clarinet, and then the other guy played it on violin, and it was just great. Was your was mentor moving. singing along too? Of course. <laughs> of course. And I mean, I didn't know what they were saying, but I still got goosebumps. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's the power of music, you know, and yeah, they were awesome. The concert was, I think about two hours long or so and a good uh, hour, hour and a half, but yeah, it was, Still it was good. great. Yeah, it was great. Um, so yeah, so check them out. Chekomor, mm-hmm. uh, Promeni on our Twitter untranslatable one or our YouTube channel on translatable podcasting. It will be up there. And speaking of check, I have two check words of the pod for you today, Jared, a little too far. Really my first one check today. That's right. My first one is doom. No, it's not like German dumm as in dumb. Dumm. <laughs> is it home? Very good. Ooh. Very good. And my next one for you, Jared, is bit. 
bit. Rent. It's not a home, but a apartment. There you go. Oh, interesting. Bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just the only reason I didn't assume apartment was because it seems so short to be apartment, but right. that's not how language works. It's, there is, it doesn't there have to be true. similar length to the English version. Right. <laughs> uh, my word is Sp- my Spanish word. Actually, going to watch a Spanish movie tonight. I just don't know what it is yet. Oh, muy is, bien. Uh, there's a if you just Google for anyone that's wanting to do this as well, just Google if you have Netflix, I guess. Just Google Spanish movies on Netflix, and there's a whole bunch of them. Or or uh, even on Netflix, I think you can type in Spanish. I've done that with German before. Oh, okay. And German well, uh, maybe we'll do that. Uh, my Spanish word is el piso. Oh, that's um, Bebo. Oh, that's uh, is, is that piso. room? No, no. Oh, shoot. What's piso? Bebo and el piso. You live in a house. Uh, no, it's no, no casa's house. Think, think pit. What? Bit. Sorry. Oh, apartment. Apart- yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh-huh. Apartment. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Nice. Apartment. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. Spanish is such a cool language. Yeah, I, I'm. I, I like it. And Let I, us I'm, know. I'm, let us know no, on the next episode. Um, sorry, buddy. Let let us know on our next episode what movie you ended up watching because I'm curious. Okay, um, yeah, I'll give you a little review. There we go. Sweet. I'm actually going to watch a uh, documentary about a very famous uh, Czech woman uh, who ended up. She survived through World War II and the Nazi occupation, but then was executed by the communists. Um, her name is mm. Milada, and I actually saw her grave at Vichyhrad a few months ago when I was there with uh, my buddy David. So I'm going to watch that probably tomorrow or the next day. Trying to get in as okay. much check as I can. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the time is mm-hmm. of the essence, as, I'm, as I've said. No, so, I feel you. <laughs> so I think it's time, Jared, for some some jokes. And I All found right. some jokes yes. <laughs> related to houses. Um, and, of course, I'm going to give you some knock-knock jokes as well. So first one is a teacher asks her pupil, can anyone tell me what sort of animal a slug is? What do you think the pupil says, Jared? I have no idea how to even guess that. The pupil says a slug is the type of animal that is a snail with a housing problem. I don't follow. Slu- oh, God. Jokes are so bad when you guys explain, Jared. <laughs> but, uh, so a slug does not have a shell. A snail has a shell. Oh, okay. Right. I didn't. I didn't. I, I mean, now I get it, but I, that wasn't readily available in my head. That information. <laughs> maybe I should. Maybe I should have modified that so it was hermit crabs. Maybe that would have been. Yeah, I that guess so. Been easy. Uh, okay. So, <laughs> this is kind of an interesting one. So, a house is inhabited by a Greek on the ground floor, an Italian on the first floor, and a German on the second floor. Uh, the house uh, then was on fire who survived i'm gonna assume it's the german and why uh i have no idea because his food he he used the fire to i don't know (laughs) the german because he was out practicing marching oh that's awful yeah it's kind of a stupid one isn't it yeah, that was stupid. Um, That's right. not awful. I mean, awful in the sense of like, I like uh, intense. Let's put it that way. Dark. That's fair. That's fair. Hey, I didn't say he was doing a goose step. Just said he was marching. Um, That's true. Right. Maybe he just plays in a band. That's right. A little <laughs> oompa-pa band. All right. Oh, yeah. So let me give you a couple knock-knock jokes now, Jared, to end our joke segment. So 
Knock, knock. Who's there? Jamaican. Jamaican me crazy. I don't know. God damn it. Jamaican who? Sorry. <laughs> oh, was that really it? <laughs> yeah. Jesus yeah. Christ. I did, I did everyone a favor by ruining that joke. Actually, you know, actually the reason I did that is because I did forget how to do a knock-knock joke for a hot second. <laughs> I was like, oh, I must be Jamaican who? Yeah. I'm glad that I fucked up that joke. That's a terrible joke, and I'm glad you didn't do it. You didn't Next. even let me finish. God damn. All right, fine. I won't even finish No, I'm it. sorry. I actually legitimately for a hot sec forgot how to do a knock-knock joke. <laughs> All right, here we go, Jared. Knock-knock. All right, who's there? Candace. Candace who? Candace door open or what? <laughs> <laughs> Granted, knock-knock jokes are usually for children, so there you go. Anyways, knock-knock. Who's there? Boo. Boo-hoo. No need to cry, Jared. It's just a joke. <laughs> I've got one with my <laughs> All right, Jared, and this is our last one. I'll end you. Well, Please. I won't even tell you what it is because I don't want to give it away. But knock, knock. Who's there? Two. To who? It's to whom? Oh. That was, uh, that, that was a little better because it was at least involves language. Right. That's, that's why I wanted to end on that one. Well, yeah. 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 So All right. there you go. Couple Should corny I apologize knock, knock to jokes. our listeners real quick? for our terrible knock knock jokes hour don't put that out on me okay fair enough for my terrible (laughs) knock knock jokes fair enough well we hope you have enjoyed this episode about living arrangements and i think the most important thing about living arrangements is getting to know what you're comfortable with especially Mm -hmm. in different cultures and being aware of those right so uh and although we didn't mention this in the main segment especially if you're moving or traveling to a new place Make sure you really take a look at what the living uh, arrangements will be like where you're going. I was very lucky to um, come into this wonderful apartment here in Komutov, but not everyone is so lucky. So make sure you really do your due diligence, do your homework. Jerry's doing it right now in Michigan. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's really crucial to picking good living arrangements. And if you're curious about different options... Take a look what's out there when you go travel because you might be surprised. If you're in Australia, maybe you can go to a an underground home. If you end up going to Kyrgyzstan, check out a yurt. There's a lot of really cool places you can see. Build an igloo if you're somewhere cold and you got lots of snow and tell us how it goes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we hope you've enjoyed this episode about living arrangements. Please let us know what you thought of it. Uh, you yes. can send us an email, untranslatablepodcast at gmail.com. Also check out our Twitter, Untranslatable1, for our Chekomor song of the pod this week and numerous other songs of the pod that we've had through our 103 episodes so far and uh, more coming out in the near future. Also do you not betcha. forget, every other Saturday we have a travel tip series coming out for you, giving you some good deets of things to do, what to see and what to avoid in various cities around the world. And lastly, please, 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 we are begging you, five-star reviews, on iTunes and Stitcher. Spread a also, give us some feedback, what we can do better, or what you enjoy about the Untranslatable podcast. So, we thank you all so much for your support. I think it's like 20 countries and counting now. We really appreciate it. It means the world to us. Pun incredibly intended there. So, as we say here at the Untranslatable podcast, a muchas gracias.